we're gonna sing it through twice and then we're gonna sing it very quietly. Okay, that's the feel. So let's start in full voice and then the third one. and the trust. We do this for the everyone. We do this for the together, the unpopular, the unheard, the unmentioned. We do this for the scared, the different, the not us, the magnificent, unseen majesty, the house, the nerd in us all, the left of center, the crying, the missed, the them we will never forget, the sacrifice, the journey, the genius, the intelligentsia. We do this for the non-binary, the family, no matter how it looks. We do this for the unsung, the unhoused, the dream, the unbalanced, the scholar athlete, the academic excellence, the unfortunate, the misunderstood, the hood, the those not from the hood, the forgiveness, the self-healing, and the mental health. The balance, the body differently labeled, the body differently able, the genius of community. We do this for the brilliance of the heart, the light, the road less traveled, the folks of color, the folks not of color, the uncolored, the folks of color uncoloring themselves, the folks not of color coloring themselves, the fashion plates, the those that can't fashion a plate, the God, the godless and the ungodly, the blessed, those not feeling blessed, those giving blessings, those in the corner, those without a group, the insecure, the broken, the unbreakable, the fighting not to break, the silent, the bullied, the broken hearted, the heartless, the all heart, the hardened heart, the electronic, the Pentagon, the disco, the Montero, the peace fly god, the neurodiverse, the Adele of ghost face, the ghost faces of our beloved, the lonely, the now and later, the unrasa, the unbutu, the rally, the protest, the most disrespected on earth, the right thing, the healing, the hope, uh, and the peace, the scholarship, the victory, the poetry, the uplifting, the resilient, the freedom, the liberation, the you are important, the when, the where, the why, the you. This is why we do this. why you're here. <laughs> I think by now you know who I am. I'm Tom Alpert. I'm the rabbi here at Temple at Saim. It is wonderful for us all to be here and for me to welcome the our other guests, our two panelists. Immediately to my right is Rabbi Elise Winnick, who's going to moderate, and I'll let Elise say a little something about herself. Sure. Well, I, I said that I'm here because of Jamil. We had um, an incredible run together at Brandeis when I was the Jewish chaplain and Jamil was the dean of students. Um, and we had one particular powerful experience, which I'm going to talk about a little mm -hmm. bit later, um, which for me was kind of the ultimate in uh, dialogue between communities. Mm. Um, 
and my background is primarily working with college students and young adults. I've been an educator in the Boston Jewish community for about 30 years. Um, and I'm really so honored to be invited to take part here and to try to lend um, something to mm -hmm. the wise words that the men on either side of me have to share. <laughs> And to Elisa's right is the person she is here because of, <laughs> Jamil Adams. Jamil, tell us about, tell them a little something about you. Pleasure to be here. I know I had to cut my hair off because people would get at least not confused. <laughs> so, you know, but um, I'm a Franklin resident and just love being part of the community and connecting with folks. And um, I've been in education for more than 30 years now. Started out in higher education and now in K through 12. I spend a lot of my time um, bringing folks together. Um, I'm out in Situate doing great things with our family out there, our Situate family out there. And whenever the opportunity allows it and my, my schedule allows for it, um, uh, we, I try to bring folks together in other places. I love poetry and art and use it as a vehicle to bring folks together. Um, my better half, my energy, my wisdom, my wife, she is, is a, a lot. Um, to my my um, my power pack, so to speak, and so we just use that same energy to make that happen in our children. Um, F definitely, at least, and I go way back, way back. We done been on some serious journeys, mm -hmm. um, and Tom and I go we go at least half a way back, so to speak, because <laughs> we've been doing things with the Freedom Team. Yeah, and Jamil started the Franklin Freedom Team, which I'm sure we will get to discussing and. Uh, uh, invited me to join. It's been an amazing experience. So I am thrilled about this conversation and looking forward to an important one. So Elise is going to moderate, which means she's going to tell us what to do. It's hmm. a lot of power. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Jamil can speak with greater depth to what inspired him for us to come together tonight for this purpose. Um, but what he conveyed to me when he first reached out was that in the wake of rising anti-Semitism in the community, particularly um, following the events of October with um, Kanye West's post, posts on Instagram, Kyrie Irving's posting of a, a film clip that was problematic, um, and I actually heard that Kanye West was suspended from Instagram again a couple of mm. days ago because of a song that references the first time he was. I'm not. It's. I didn't. I didn't go into depth on what 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 this one what this one was because it happened as I was trying to to write. But we know from our experience together that that's not what it means for the Jewish community and communities of color to live together and to live with one another. Um, and there's a tremendous feeling of helplessness when you see something happen on a broad scale. Um, and, and two really terrible things happen when things happen on a broad scale. One is that you feel like you can't, you feel powerless. There's nothing you can do to change it because it is so big. And the other thing that happens is you lose sight of the fact that whoever the one bad actor is in a particular situation is not the entirety of a community. It's very easy to paint with broad strokes and lose sight of the fact that, um, well, you know, it's, I'll, I'll talk a little bit in a minute about um, Abraham Joshua Heschel, who was um, 
a, a philosopher, a modern day <coughs> philosopher in the Jewish community, one of the most important things that I learned from Heschel was the idea that um, some are guilty, but all are responsible. So the question is, even when we are not the guilty parties, first of all, I think, I think we have to look deep into our souls and say, maybe we're not the primary guilty party, but what are we doing in our lives that's helping this negativity to exist? It's mm -hmm. there and there's, if I'm not actively engaged in trying to heal it, then I'm actually adding to, I'm adding to the wound. Um, but besides that, just because I'm not the one who did whatever was done, doesn't mean that I don't have a responsibility to my community and to the world to achieve healing. And that's a very powerful sentiment, that idea that we're all responsible. And I'm not saying in a particular community we're all responsible for the misbehavior of members of our community. I'm saying we are all responsible. End of sentence. Anything that any of us can be doing to create healing um, is really essential. And when Jamil and I first started to talk about this event, there was kind of this struggle of, well, we're not changing the world, right? We're, we're gonna, if we're lucky, we're gonna kind of share that with a small group of people, live stream or not, it'll be a small group of people. But to recognize the ripple effect and the power that that has, that when two of us sit down in conversation and we create something positive, that you can't hold the light back, right? Mm. The light has to shine out. And the more we are engaged in building that light together, the greater chance there is that it's gonna shine, that it's gonna shine on everyone. So the backdrop, that's the backdrop, the, the difficulties that um, have been having, happening in terms of anti-Semitism that spurred this particular conversation. But let us also not um, delude ourselves into thinking that this moment in time is the first moment in which we needed to be having these conversations, right? There has been um, harm and hurt throughout our communities, and there are ways that we have all failed, no matter how hard we've tried, to be the light. So while I'm deeply appreciative that Jamil raised this as a moment to start this conversation, or to, let's say to continue this conversation, I don't want to imply in any way that the conversation didn't need to start before. Mm -hmm. It's not just these instances, not just these <clears throat> incidents that create this moment in time for us. This is the time in which we live. Um, and if we want to change it, we cannot rely on anybody else to make that change. We have to take that into our hands and we have to make the change. The history of the relationship between the Jewish community and the African American community is, um, it, there are multiple narratives, let's mm -hmm. put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, those of us in the Jewish community want to attach ourselves to a narrative of um, Jewish activism in the civil rights era. But let's be very clear that the activists in the civil rights era from the Jewish community were primarily coming from the North. And in the South, by and large, Jews wanted to keep their heads down and they did not engage in promoting the rights and the needs of their fellow citizens who were in the communities of color because they were afraid of their own, the risk they were taking upon themselves. I don't say that with any degree of pride, but I think if we're gonna have these conversations, we have to be honest about the history, right? We have to be honest about the times when um, we worked together 
beautifully. And I think now again about Abraham Joshua Heschel, who um, in 1963 was invited to speak with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. at a conference brought together by the National Conference of Christians and Jews on religion and race. Um, this, these are his opening remarks. At the first conference on religion and race, the main participants were Pharaoh and Moses. Moses' words were, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me. While Pharaoh retorted, who is the Lord that I should heed this voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and moreover, I will not let Israel go. The outcome of that summit meeting, 1963, the outcome of that summit meeting has not come to an end. Would that it had come to an end in 1963. Pharaoh is not ready to capitulate. The exodus began, but is far from having been completed. In fact, it was easier for the children of Israel to cross the Red Sea than for an African American to cross certain university campuses. Religion and race. How can the two be uttered together? To act in the spirit of religion is to unite what lies apart. To remember that humanity as a whole is God's beloved child. To act in the spirit of race is to sunder, to slash, to dismember the flesh of living humanity. How can we hear the word race and feel no self-reproach? Heschel and King marched together in Selma. There are extraordinary photos of them together. And about that moment, Heschel said, it felt as if my legs were praying. That's an extraordinary, extraordinary idea that the activism in which we engage, if we are doing it with the holiest and the most sacred intentions, it is as if we are praying with our physical beings. The words are important. But if we're going to create change, we know it takes so much more, so much more than just words. So you have a mixed record within the Jewish community in the civil, civil rights era. You have Heschel and King doing extraordinary things together. And then you have, let's be honest, the experiences in New York and even in Boston of Jewish slumlords setting up situations in which people with, with lesser means were living in substandard conditions while the, while the Jewish landlords were thriving. There's, we have to live with the reality that both of these things exist. Um, and we need to be extraordinarily humble. I read Heschel's words and my heart is lifted, but I don't want it to go too high because I don't want to delude myself into thinking that that's the whole story, because it's not. But it's a great place for us in the Jewish community to begin to do the work that we need to do. Last thing I'll say is about this journey that, uh, that Jamil and I have been on um, and some extraordinary things that we've shared. One in particular was with a group at Brandeis called Brandeis Bridges. Um, it was initiated by students who wanted to break down the barriers between their communities. And they created, in the first year, a trip to Israel. Half the students in the group were Jewish students. Half the students in the group were students from the communities of color. And Jamil and I were the staff. 
it was one of the greatest gifts my students ever gave to, gave to me. Um, mostly because I got to experience that with them, but also because I got to spend um, some very deep and meaningful time with, um, with Jamil and to try to see the world through someone else's eyes. How much could we make a difference if we all try to see the world through someone else's eyes? That group, Jamil got promoted after that trip. So, he, so I went on several more trips without him, which was very much a loss for me because he was very busy. Um, but um, one of the trips that we went on the following year was a trip to Ghana, which was absolutely extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. Um, six months before that, I had been on a trip to Poland with a group of educators, and I had been to Auschwitz for the first time. And there, I, I can, I'm not gonna try to describe it to you because there really aren't words to describe what that experience is like. It was traumatic and overwhelming um, and, and poignant and it, it gripped me. Fast forward six months where I'm traveling with this group of students to Ghana and we go to the Elmina slave mm -hmm. castle. Um, it's a, I, I, it bothers me that they call them slave mm -hmm. castles, right? That's not what you associate. You don't associate castle with the horrors that were, that were committed in these, in these locations. There are several of them. They were the gathering points when folks were being enslaved to a holding place till there was a ship to take them. It was, it was a horror on a level I have never seen before. And I had one student in particular who was um, on his knees sobbing. And I just stood there with my hand on his shoulder and I thought, I know what he's feeling and I don't know what he's feeling because my heart felt like Auschwitz. And I thought, why does, he have to, why does he have to feel this, right? How did we let this happen? And what are we gonna do about it so that we can remember without suffering? Because the memory is not without suffering, but how much do we actually have to suffer? If we haven't healed, we have to suffer a lot. But if there's any chance of healing, then we can temper the suffering and it can, it can become a sad part of who we are but it doesn't have to govern, govern how we will be. Um, so that's why I'm here. <laughs> um, and uh, I, lots, of, lots of gratitude to, to Jamil for all of that. Um, and that's not just my story, but it's kind of the backdrop for the conversation that we'll have today. So I wanted to ask each of you, um, in October, when you heard about these Instagram posts, I wanna know, not what did you think? I wanna know, what did you feel? For both of you, um, what was what was it? What was the experience like for you to see a public figure with a very um, broad reputation engage in um, a visual act of anti-Semitism like that? Whichever one of you wants to begin. There we go again. That's how I felt. I felt, we're doing this again, aren't we? It never stops. It is a constant backdrop. It is not every minute of every day, but it 
also just never disappears. And that's it's a heavy feeling. It's a heavy feeling with knowing, okay, we've got to do this. We've got to deal with this. We've got to explain again why this is so awful. And, you know, and get support from allies and just be aware that you know we're, we're, this is happening I, I things are things are tough um, in last year the the number of anti-semitic um, reported crimes rose by 35 40 percent both nationwide and here in New England um, not as high as it was in 2017, but considering what was happening in 2017, that's hardly a, a sign of, uh, of progress. Still higher than it's been before the last couple of years. It, it, you like to think that progress gets made. You like to think, hey, we're moving up this way. But in fact, it's more of a spiral, you know, if you're lucky. But it, but you're, there's still going to be those times, and so that was that's really what hit me more than anything else. Um, as a black male, it was a host of feelings that I had. I mean, a whole bunch that I went through, and then I caught myself trying to figure out what's the benefit of that. What is it going to lead to? Where is it going to end? So not not end, but what's the what's the the end result? What's the outcome of all of this? Mm-hmm. And I, while that's happening, I'm seeing just more division. Mm-hmm. And so my head, my heart is in a place of just trying to unify folks and bring folks together. And so that's when I started mm-hmm. changing my thoughts to a different place of how do we take advantage of this moment of this opportunity to bring folks together, to great understanding, and to acknowledge. To acknowledge harm and at the same time acknowledge the the, the possibility of healing mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. um, potentially create a space where folks might be able to be together because I absolutely believe that we can be in harmony there's no doubt mm-hmm. in my in my being that we can be in harmony and I don't know that we hear that enough and I, I mean that sincerely I might not be here when it happens but I believe it is quite possible and I see examples of it all the time. We just have to acknowledge those examples and at the same time, like you, you open it up with a, a lot of truth and you open mm-hmm. it up with a lot of vulnerability. And that vulnerability piece is something that a lot of us don't do willingly and depending on the spaces, um, it's not always welcome. Mm-hmm. So again, bringing it back to your question, I mean, there's a host of feelings I had at the beginning, but then I, I ended in a place where we got to figure out how to get folks together because the division piece, we know where that ends. Mm-hmm. We know where the division piece ends. We've seen mm-hmm. that time mm-hmm. and time and time mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, we're actually we'll spend a little bit more time on the on the the painful origins of this moment, and I really want us to spend most of our time focused on the healing and the growing forward. Mm-hmm. But I don't want us to I don't want us to brush under the rug the challenges that are, are bringing mm-hmm. us here. Um, and, and I want us to think for a minute, I want to hear what you folks have to say about 
um, the, the, well, um, the notion of cancel culture. And in that way, I'm talking very specifically about um, Nike dropping mm. Kanye West from their ads. Um, Kanye West dropped the ads, right? No, Kyrie. Kyrie, yeah, Kyrie Irving, Irving. Sorry. Irving. Sorry. Yes. I just, I, from companies. Right, okay, so. thank you. But Nike dropped Kyrie Irving, uh, and Kanye West got dropped Adidas. by Adidas. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's actually not about the two men, it's about the two sports brands that I have no idea which is which. Right. <laughs> um, sorry, I've, I've outed myself as having no idea what sports are about. <laughs> um, I'm curious, you're thinking about is that cancel culture? Was it right to. Um, take those pedestal, pedestals, pedestals, those podia, if you will, away from them, um, or um, or is that an example of the way in which we are um, failing to engage in difficult and constructive dialogue? Oh, for me, when that that question, like the nature of the the question, it, it just puts you in a place of not necessarily is, is division, but it makes you, because immediately can rip, you can, I can immediately see the, the equity that's not present, because mm -hmm. there's so many other folks mm -hmm. that have violated mm -hmm. other people connected to these companies, right. and the outcome was nowhere near the same. Mm -hmm. And again, that's part of that, I was in that train mm -hmm. of thought, and I was like, how do we get, not forget about it, but how do we address it, but address it by being together mm -hmm. and then still have an accountability piece there. So that's where, where, where my, my thoughts went mm -hmm. with that. Cause there's, I mean, there's so many. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, along with that was the folks call it group thing, but there was this network that just continued to unfold and more and more folks continued to add on to, I don't know if this was punishment or, or public, um, you know, you get judged by the public, so I don't know what you want to call it, but more and more folks just kept adding on, adding on to it, and it just seemed, it was only adding more harm and adding more pain, and it's like someone a long time ago said it's like pouring water on a drowning man kind of thing, it's like, come on, like, why, why, where, what's the end result, again, where, what's the end result of this? And then again, it's, it's easy, not easy, but immediately, again, as a black man, I, go to the, I was going to the place of, well, what about when this person did mm -hmm. it, and that person did it, and this group did it, and that group did it, and, it, and then, it, I mean, it, 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 that, that list is vast. <laughs> um, and so, there has to be another way to get at this, and I think um, love is a way to do that. And then when I say love, I don't mean it, and love is not weak, it's not this thing that it's passive. It's the thing that oftentimes makes it possible for one to do that which is most complicated and most complex um, and requires strength and discipline and commitment. And so where, how do we let that love present itself so that it can bring us together? I'll pause I'll go on and on. <laughs> yeah, it's all. You know, I mean, part of my concerns with all this start with the fact that Kanye had more followers on Twitter than there are Jews in the world. And so, you know, it's scary. We're scared. We're scared. And, um, you know, the, the, and so when, you know, when Kanye gets invited, or 
Ye gets invited to the White House, uh, sorry, to, to the former White House, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and when, uh, you know, these kinds of comments that once have been regarded as fringe and unacceptable and not, you know, yeah, there are people saying that stuff, but, you know, we, you know, the, we in the center of America don't believe this, and you see that happening, it scares you even more. So, uh, you know, so I'm, it, it, when that happens, I, 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 my level of, you know, sympathy for, for losses that he's suffered tend not to be that big. At the same time, I don't really want to turn over to big companies how I'm feeling about things. I don't want to make the decision of what Nike or Adidas is doing can't be how you know I am it can't be how I want to live my life that if they if their decision goes my way I'm happy and if their decision goes against me I'm sad I, I don't want to give them that kind of power it doesn't feel right I think that the the power has to come from us from people making decisions from you know it's supposed to be a democracy not something that's run by money it may not be true but it's what I want to believe in and what I think I've, I've got to keep fighting for I think that part of the implication is this nature of the system is going to be that it is governed by those kind of business influences but we don't have to be mm -hmm. um, and we can Sometimes the best way to make change is to bypass the stumbling blocks, not to try to climb over them. Um, and I, I don't have a good answer, right? I, yeah, Can I please, <laughs> that's great. No, I'm, I think that's wonderful. I was just going to say I like to think of it as the opposite, Tom, and, and think that you know these larger corporations are seeing that we do have the power of where we spend our money, mm -hmm. and so they're trying to make decisions. I can't speak to their motives, but they're hopefully trying to make decisions to appease the people that you know they're looking to buy their product, right? Mm -hmm. So if I am someone that's being passive and allowing certain people or groups to say certain things, and you know America is taking notice of that, and they're mm -hmm. going to skip over Nike and go to Adidas, or skip over Adidas and go to Puma, that is also driving you know the decision making in those those boardrooms. So mm -hmm. I think. You know, some say it's cancel culture, but I think we're also at a place where we need people that are running corporations and, you know, our country and making decisions on our behalf to be speaking for us and to be acting on our behalf as well. Mm -hmm. It's about resting the power back. Yeah. <clears throat> so the thing I would add on to this conversation that we see <laughs> is, you know, the cancel culture thing. Folks now kind of try to say cancel mm, instead yeah. of cancel yeah. kind of thing. Because what where, where does this mean when you say, you know, you're done. We finished right. with you. We're right. done with you. Kind of deal. Again, we know what that does. Mm -hmm. We know where that leads. And that's not what we should be about. I'm not saying forget what folks did and not to um, have levels of accountability. But again, where's the, the, the recourse? Where's the transformation? Where's the um, 
restoration. You know what I mean? Those pieces to the to the conversation and 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 life kind of kind of deal. You know. Um, and social media plays this role in it, but you know it's the gift and the curse. But again, we're talking about harmony and voices together. You know what I mean? This is what we're trying to get at that, and we do that again, being honest and truthful with each other. This this journey that Elise was talking about, that she and I went with Black and Jewish um, students um, and folks, well, some are multiracial as well. Um, we had some very intense conversations after every day at every spot that we went to. Um, and one of the, the stark differences, I was so disappointed that I wasn't able to go to um, Ghana with at least any students because something else that we had, <laughs> this is a whole nother thing, that when we went to um, Israel, like some folks, it wasn't necessarily a first time going there or being familiar with it, but, and so there was a, a familiarity with it, but there were some first time experiences with the whole group, but when folks went to West Africa, folks went to Ghana, that was the first time for folks being in that space. So when you hear about the student on, on his knees, just bring it down, I don't know that that wouldn't have been myself in that same situation, mm -hmm. having that moment. So you're having these real life moments um, at that point in time, but to have that, that just gives another level of, under, of understanding and another level of, of, of um, I, I want to say appreciation, but it's just more more than that. Humility of of um, building bridges. I mean, it's called the name of the program is called Bridges. So it's about actually bringing. It, it really is bridging um, understanding and bringing folks together. Like you just. So the whole point of it was to have cultures go to each other's origins mm -hmm. in, in many respects. And so, and that's what was happening when you go there and you, you're just like, wow. While I'm in Israel, my grandmother on my wife's side dies and I'm at the prayer wall and putting a prayer for my grandmother in the wall and my wife calls me, she lets me know, and I'm there when that happens. Mm -hmm. So these are life things that, you know, impact what, I'm, what, what we're talking about here mm -hmm. today. You know what I mean? So, <clears throat> this thing, I mean, these couple, I agree with you, like what, at, sneakers, apparel and clothes and all that? I mean, I'm, I'm with all that I can't, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for clothes and all that, but um, at the end of the day, it's not, it, it's not so much what they represent, more so than what's happening, what's being done, and then done in a public forum, and so now we're seeing it. And so then you get to that place, like Tom was saying, here it goes again, kind of deal. But how do we not, how do we move beyond that? Here we go again, mm -hmm. you know? So, sorry. Yeah. That's okay. So, a lot to unravel with everything that you've said. Yeah. And um, so a lot of things are buzzing around in my head. So I, as an educator, I, for me, it comes down, it comes back to teaching. And we know that we know the work is hard we know the conversations are extraordinarily difficult. Um, and I think what's made it more difficult in education right now um, to teach about the, these big topics, whether it's the Holocaust, slavery, whatever it may be, um, we, you know, we see what's happening in the public right now with public education. We have people pushing back even on us, like, 
like oh the woke culture and and you know CRT and, and all all this this real garbage. I mean yep. until I'll be honest with everybody, I, I've been a public educator here in Franklin for 27 years, and <clears throat> when I first started hearing all this stuff about CRT, I'm like I've ne I had never heard of CRT, um, and so the point I'm trying to make is that. Like our kids need these conversations. It's the I, I feel like it's only the only way out of the abyss, and and we have to you know history is history. And and even with that being yep. said, we have tremendous questions being pushed back at us as educators about you know well what is history and that's another topic for another time. But I do think. Our way out of the, this abyss is through education and conversations with students. Um, think about what they're going through. They are being bombarded with information. Many of them, and I witness it every day, many of them really struggle with navigating their way through all that information. Mm -hmm. um, and and they so when when Kanye, I mean, I talked to students about Kanye West when that event happened, and. And some of them had some some comments I heard what was I really like his music. And okay, so which maybe goes back to Kansas. So here I am as a grown man. I'm like, man, I, I and I and I had this conversation because I'm like, you know, there are athletes and and entertainers who who have done things that I don't agree with and I I struggle with following them. Listening to their music, I, I struggle with that. And mm -hmm. and if you want to call that cancel cult, cancel culture, I, I would not call that cancel culture. I would call that more um, personal decisions that we have to make. Same thing with with corporate America. Um, so how do we? I mean, that's I think that's one of the big questions. How do we help our kids get through that? Get, out of the abyss because they're in the abyss with everybody else. So, you know, from a little, little Jewish historical perspective, some of this. Um, let's go back a while. Richard Wagner, one of the great revolutionary, brilliant composers of all time, also a vicious anti-Semite, wrote vicious anti-Semitic. Uh, texts, um, was venerated by the Nazis, music was played in the death camps. You know, Jewish communities don't play Wagner's music at Jewish settings. You know, the Israeli Philharmonic finally has said, or, you know, enough time has passed for willing to play it at, 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 you know, in, in uh, symphonies, but, um, you know, does that make it cancel culture for me to say, you know, we do a Jewish wedding, I'm not playing, you, you can't play Wagner, I can't deal with it, we can't deal with it. I don't think so. I think it is a, I, I think that um, it is a complicated conversation all the way through, uh, and there isn't necessarily um, a single right answer for this. It requires um, understanding and sensitivity as to why people can feel that way about different things. I think it also requires an ability 
to live in that very difficult place of multiple narratives. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that I, I saw on that trip with the Bridges mm -hmm. students to Israel mm -hmm. in a way I had never, I had thought about the idea but didn't really feel myself inside what does it mean to live with um, multiple and sometimes competing mm -hmm. narratives. And to be able to take the leap of faith that it takes to say, this is true and this is true. Right. Um, because as soon as we start to say either, we're, we've got competing tragic sagas, what's, what's, the, what's the benefit in, in competing, right? That's, mm -hmm. Please, redirect that energy because nobody wins when you compete about right. whose, whose world is, whose life experience is more tragic. But what do we do about taking all of that hurt and building something mm -hmm. together? Mm -hmm. Where can we take that? Um, and I think that, you know, it's, if we were going to be here for three days, I would want to spend actually significantly more time in this space of um, lifting, up the, the, lifting up the suffering to shed the light on it because, what do they say, sunlight is the best disinfectant. Um, but I also want us to have time to not leave here only... Mm -hmm. Um, dragged down by what we know to be wrong, but to also begin thinking about where we go with all of this. And as I say that, the one last thing I have to say, because, and I'm not even sure we can enter, entertain this question because I don't know where we go with it, but you talked about, yeah, you talked about um, Kanye West at the former White House, and mm -hmm. I was thinking about, oh, I don't know, last week, was it? When the former president hosted Kanye West Ooh. and Nick Fuentes yes. for dinner? Yes. Do we really, do we actually, did that happen? Like, do we really live in a world where that happens? Yeah. And, you know, yeah, we do. And what are we gonna do with that, right? You're, you're gonna choose to, to vote however you're gonna choose to vote in a way that um, is responsive in some, to some degree to that for sure. But you know what? I used to think, you know, if we can get people to, to vote, we can change the world. I, I'm kind of not so convinced anymore that getting people to vote is going to change the world because the world keeps spiraling out of control and our votes are not enough of an anchor. So the question is, what else are we going to do? So I, yeah. I had to get that part off my chest about, about Nick Fuentes. Um, if, if you're not familiar, Nick Fuentes is a, a noted, uh, I don't know if you use that, notorious might be a better term, um, uh, white supremacist, Holocaust denier, um, and and the former president um, said, "Oh, I didn't know." <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't know he was coming. Oh, that I didn't hear. I heard yes. I didn't was know there, what he, he stood he for. It was both. Favor by taking the meeting and Kanye. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I will say I think that the the. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to fix the whole world. That's, that's, uh, that's, I think, a little beyond our abilities. And I don't think any one thing fixes the world. But what we can do is fix the corner that we have conversations in so that we can start to have greater understanding. You know, that I can hear, you know, from you, Jamil, about the things that cause you pain. You can hear about the things that cause me pain, and we talk about them back and forth and understand each other, and that goes for everybody else here, too, so that it isn't just, 
Um, and you know, will that will that fix uh, the problem that um, the potential next nominee of a major political party was perfectly happy having dinner with someone who who, who explicitly attacks Jews? Is, should not be the Jews should not be in any major positions, and for that matter, the the has support for any number of expressly racist positions. Is that going to fix that? No, it's not. But it's going to do something for us, and that's not nothing. There are. Because yeah, I know we I know we run out of time. Friends and family, yo, there are. Mad examples of black folks and Jewish folks doing stuff together mm-hmm. in the most tumultuous of times. Mm-hmm. A, a, a simple Google search, if we just put, put, put that in times when black and Jewish folks have worked together, you're going to get a list of historical um, occasions where that happened. All of them are not pretty, but you folks were together. And so, what I'm saying by Orphan that to your point, not leaving on a, a note of, of negativity. There is, it, it exists. This is not new. We're not trying to, you know, create something that has not existed before. Mm-hmm. There, this again, we know that we know what happens when we do the things separate, and we when we compare yep. and contrast. We know that. But when we honest with each other and we move forward with each other and we and we and we do some things that allows us to be in a different space. It allows us to move differently. I don't know if that would allow folks that I don't know what that dinner was about with those folks. All I know they could have changed some heads and hearts in that dinner. I don't know. Um, but we know social media will allow it to have a narrative that will force folks, not force, but in some ways folks will just choose this side or that side. No, I can't believe they did that. Well, yeah, of course they did that. Then there goes the argument. And so now we're on opposing sides kind of things. Nobody's in that conversation. Nobody knows what's up and what happened there. Um, I say this often. Um, one of the most powerful things that happened in the past, I don't know if folks remember Don Imus back in the days. He mm-hmm. shocked Jock Cat. He had said something real horrible about the Rutgers University yeah, uh, women's basketball team. One of the most powerful things that happened out of that was that there was a meeting that took place between him and that team. Nobody knows what happened inside of that meeting. I know some folks were there because I was working in Jersey at the time, but it was powerful. And that, and, and something that you would never imagine would happen, happened. And there was like no coverage of that when it happened. It probably was something that could have, because that's an example. That's an example of something horrific and horrible still allowing folks to come in the same space and having a conversation, not a confrontation. And that's what we're talking about having conversations, not confrontation. And then we also talking about folks moving together. We're talking about voices, excuse me, in harmony. It takes effort and work to make that happen. Commitment, we could do that. Absolutely, that can happen. Can I pose a question, mm-hmm. especially about um, Fuentes and um, West down in Florida. You know, I see these events when, when that happened. You know, I my initial reaction was, "Here we go again," and like, "Oh my God!" Like, like, what are these people thinking? And then I, I wonder. My extreme question is, 
is, is, is, th is this their way of saying, we ourselves are not going to be marginalized. We have our thoughts, and, and as horrible as, and they are horrible thoughts. I mean, I'm not mm -hmm. even debating that. But I, I almost look at it as a form of bullying as well. Like, we're going to get ourselves out there, and the heck with everybody else. And, um, you know, we're drawing a line in the sand. And, 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 I, and I think there's a, there is an element of that. And because I think, you know, Charlottesville back in 20, what was that, 2016? Mm. Um, mm -hmm. My God, for me, that was a real, that was a real, um, a, a real inflection point in our country, a, a recent one. And that event brought so many people out from the racist shadows and the anti-Semitic shadows um, that... Um, we haven't even recovered from that yet. And in a way, that's given permission, in my opinion, it's given permission to all these other people to come out and say, oh, okay. And I, and I, and I think it's, it's horrific, and it's, it's really dangerous, and, and our country is in a really, really dangerous spot right now with all of that, obviously. I mean, I'm the, not saying anything that I'm going to know. anti-Jewish and anti-black sentiments by the folks who were trying to make those big out there are designed to split two communities yep. that have at least some connection and some as a way of defeating both of them and part of our job to me is not to let that happen right mm -hmm. Keep coming we've got to that, that we have to find ways to keep talking to each other and be together because it, otherwise it just plays into the hands of those who would harm both sure. of us. So I think, um, I was just gonna, in response to you know, where you were going with, is that the platform that they're sort of building up to strike back, right? I think if we look historically mm -hmm. at how these sort of hateful, bigoted, fascist movements have succeeded, it has always been through um, finding a way to other people, mm -hmm. right? So um, this is their way of othering, right? Because they are othering the the bulk of America against the coastal elites <clears throat> and the intellectuals and the haves mm -hmm. and setting themselves up, even though by no means do they resemble that demographic as the common Joe, the person I can go have a beer with, right. you know? And so mm -hmm. they are painting themselves into that corner uh, very artificially. And so, and, and that is the way, you know, Hitler in during that time, it was socioeconomic um, means that were used as divisive forces or as othering forces. And right now, it's almost a war on intellectualism, right? We are afraid of knowledge in this country right now, which is the biggest, biggest mistake we are making. My husband is from Germany, and you know, he tells me since elementary school, children learn about the Holocaust. Children learn about the role that their fellow countrymen played in what, and it's not 
they don't die, they don't shrivel up, they don't become disturbed human beings. Mm -hmm. They grow up with knowledge and they grow up for yeah. the most part, even though now again in Germany there is a, you know, uprising again of, mm -hmm. of, of certain um, right-wing kind of elements. But, but for the most part, people grow up mm -hmm. knowledgeable, right? In, in, in America, I fear we don't have the courage like we always want to look at the rosy side of things. We always want to look at the beautiful side of things. We don't realize that humanity is made up of black and white and gray spaces and ugly and beautiful and everything that's in between. And you know, sort of what you were saying about suffering and sorrow and not wanting that person, that ch uh, that students to have that experience. But I think that is a part of our humanity. If we don't feel that suffering, right? Um, even if it's not for ourselves, if it's for our neighbor or, or whoever. I, I think we cannot be fully human without that. Just as love and joy are, are one side of what makes us human, then there is this darkness and this suffering that we must also not turn our faces away from. Otherwise, we will, we will do again what mm -hmm. needs to never be done. Yeah, and one thing I'd like to do when talking about moving forward, mm -hmm. one thing I would like to do is have um, opportunities for serious learning about what anti-Semitism is and how it works and why it is different from other types of hatred and why it's similar, what um, racism is, how it works, and have those have that not as two separate conversations, but have them, you know, one leading into another and going back and forth and having those understandings, um, you know, I, th I think a lot, I think it's amazing the things we think we know that we may not know. So when we first had this idea about tonight, part of it included maybe this is the first in a series mm -hmm. because it's so much more mm -hmm. to the conversation that we just haven't touched on. Mm -hmm. And it's not because it's not important, but it's just because time we just got a limited amount of time and we'll use the time that we have. You know what I mean? So there, there's just, um, but so much <laughs> we can have in this one conversation right now this evening. You know? um, the, um, the conversation piece tonight is an example of it just get folks together it would be a mistake to believe that everyone in here feels the same way mm -hmm. that would be a mistake <clears throat> earlier this evening before we even got started before the camera started rolling and stuff like that and you start taking notes for the article and whatnot we had conversation with people with each other ask folks to talk about what what you hear this evening then we took it a step further and spoke and, and asked folks to take the phones out, take some pictures with each other. Folks did all that without asking for your label, mm -hmm. without asking for what you identify with and all that. Folks did it. We moved together. Mm -hmm. Now, there's some things you may find out about each other that we may disagree with. Mm -hmm. But we had this other experience before then, which should make it possible for us to be like, you know, okay, well, we, that's something we, we disagree on. Maybe we can you know, still continue to talk about that mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form um, and see where that goes. But this is just an example of folks without finding out 
labels and identities and things like that, that we can do things together to move onward. Some, I don't know if it's always forward, but sometimes it's onward mm-hmm. before you go forward. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a lot more that, that we can do. Folks absolutely had every reason to not come tonight. It was Sunday, it's snowing, and, you know, we had to walk up the hill <laughs> to get up here. You know, it's just really, you know, any number of reasons, but mm-hmm. folks still came out for any number of reasons. It takes some level of commitment to make that happen this evening, you know what I mean? So, folks, we could do this. It is not impossible. Mm-hmm. It is not impossible. We know it's not possible because we just came off of three years of doing the impossible. And, you know, some of us got together with people every day, every week. And you saw these examples of communities doing these sorts of things. So I would say if there is a series, it has to be weekly. If there's a series, it's got to be every day. I do think our lives depend on this. Mm Mm-hmm. I do think, too, that we are going to have to do something for our children Mm -hmm. because I don't think this country's hit rock bottom yet. Um, You know, Donald Trump entering into the presidential race is going to bring us down. And it's not, I'm with you, Rabbi, it's not about the voting. We're going to have, we are about to get into a fight like we have never been in before. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have to own our intellects. We're going to have to own, and we are going to have to confront and we're going to have to do those things. So I implore us, if we do anything, yeah, let's get back to those weekly gatherings. Let's get back to those daily check-ins. And, uh, you know, we, we need the different kind of vaccination right now. Mm-hmm. And we, we know that we can do this. We just have. And we know we've done it over time because we're still here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like Brian Stevenson says, we haven't dealt with our racist past. No. And we don't have a full knowledge of, of history because... Our history books are written by the daughters of the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that essential need to find and nourish common ground, even when the common ground is you're hurting, I'm hurting, right? But if we start from a place of nourishing that common ground, then two things can happen. We, we inoculate, I thought it was a great, it was a, a, a great choice of, um, of metaphor, we inoculate ourselves against the next thing coming, which we know is gonna come, but we're gonna be so much stronger together if we're already together. The, the, the coalitions that we build that are reactive are never as strong as the coalitions that we build that are proactive. Mm-hmm. So, we're, so yeah. the first thing that'll happen is we'll be inoculated together against whatever the next one is gonna be. And then the next stage of it is going to be, it'll be a longer time until the next one after that, because it, it's, it, we build it consecutively and, and we build it together. Um, you did a great job of getting to my number seven question. Um, in a, and I see that you have a hand and I'm not going to ignore you, but I'm conscious of our time and, and we're going to continue conversation, I'll save some of the questions, like what are we going to do about social media for another time. Um, but go, go ahead and then I'll, I'll, I think we'll time to, to wrap us up together, please. Actually, my comment ties into social media a little bit, but, um, but I agree completely that we're not just doing this for ourselves and our children, but I think we have to include children in the process. 
and that that's really important and that's something that teachers do and can do more of. Because I think that in our society, we isolate ourselves. I'm not the first person to say this. <clears throat> with people who think like we do. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard to find access to people who think differently and feel differently. So this is really important. And it's important to um, provide more opportunities for kids and teenagers to have these kinds of just contact with people who are different from themselves. Um, and I have this one naive thought <laughs> about social media and all the challenges that you see on social media that kids are doing um, mm -hmm. all the way up to college students. So I would love to see someone bring a challenge to, um, to, to kids to find someone who thinks differently or looks differently from them and have a 20-minute conversation. You know, that kind of challenge. If that went viral, it would be, it would be great. I know it's kind of naive, but... It's not naive, but it comes back to something, another thought that's in my mind sitting here. It's that um, fear. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. All of us are fearful of something, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we, we can argue that, that a, a wide array of people in our country are fearful of, of the change that's occurring in this country. Um, um, mm -hmm. Racist, religious, whatever it might be. Uh, not racist, I'm sorry. Race, racial. Racial, yeah. thank you, I'm sorry. Um, but change is happening, and people are fearful of that. And, but then there are people who welcome that. And in turn, they're feared of. So like the, they're, it's multi-layered in my mind. And, and kids um, are somewhat very protective of, of themselves in regard to, I don't want to let too much out of the bag. I mean, they're kids. I, mean, I work with middle school kids. Middle school kids are notorious, in a good way, for being very self-centered. Um, it's all about them, and that's just, I mean, we're all that, that mm -hmm. we, all, we were all like that at that age. Um, so, I think it's a great idea, and we should be doing more of that with kids. I totally agree with that. Um, but again, that's going to take helping kids to navigate them mm -hmm. through that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking that as a, as a teacher that... Um, if we're going to do that, expect pushback mm -hmm. and be prepared for that from the parents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, from, from everybody, really, from, from parents, colleagues, I mean, everything. But, but it, you know, it doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. If anything, it means we should do it. If you get a pushback, that means, oh, we're on to something. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm familiar with an organization called Better Angels. Um, but Braver, this is Braver Angels now. Braver Angels now? Braver Angels, yeah. Um, the, it was a, a, an organization that was created specifically to set up these kinds of conversations to put people who um, are, have radically different thoughts about the world in conversation with one another because what happens when you have a conversation with a person? This is one of my, my um, complaints about social media is, is about you're not, mm -hmm. it's not a person, yeah. it's a screen, and you can, you can lose any sense of humanity yep. because it's not really a person. Well, put you in front of that same person. Now, part of the problem is that social media has eroded um, our sensitivity to a degree that it's actually become a lot easier for people to actually say it to another human being's face. But spend more time with people face to face, um, you know, breaking bread together and, and being comfortable to disagree. 
Um, those are extraordinary, tiny steps that yeah. we could take to make to make change, and that we we should, we have to. Gregory Ellison is someone who's also doing this wonderful work similar to this. He calls it fearless dialogue. Mm. So he says you're going to have a fear. It's not a fearless dialogue. It's fearless. And he's pulling these people from really interesting walks of life together in spaces. Um, I mention that just because it's one of those things I'm trying to pull some leading groups together to maybe try and duplicate that. So one thing I'll add on to this is I believe people want to be together. Oh, totally. I believe more people want to be together than not. Yeah. I believe people want to have the conversations. But where the sometimes the fear, the uncertainty, the, the questionable engagement of it comes from is not knowing how to engage in that conversation and how not to feel set up, bullied, ambushed in that conversation. Mm -hmm. How to have an equitable from the, from the setup. And so there are ways, and I imagine that the, the, the Angels Group does this, and I know that there are a number of us, including myself, that do workshops on how to engage in complex conversations so that folks are, they have a pathway, and I say pathway, not a formula, of how a conversation could happen. That is not going to get, it's not going to, there's no time limit on it, but this is how it could happen. And so maybe that's another thing we can do, is allowing folks mm -hmm. to be able to, and engage in those complex conversations. And I say complex versus difficult because sometimes folks hear difficult and make that analogous with impossible. Folks hear complex and put that together with, well, it's gonna take a little bit of work sometimes. And so we absolutely can do that if folks have that. I've seen that work time and time and time again. And when I say work, I mean meaning folks having conversations, not confrontation. So, and there's a couple hands, but we gotta some. You gotta wrap this up. Someone here. Should should we sing? Alright, Well, I, are we not doing the the the, the, the hands? No. You made it sound like we weren't doing hand, <laughs> hands. Please. Then we'll sing. Then we'll sing. What if I acquire understanding and sympathy, and I understand? where someone is coming from, and someone else also understands me, and he or she will still not change actions. What am I supposed to do? This is part of the, we are told that we cannot change other people's behavior from all the self-help books, which obviously I need. Um, <laughs> But all, all we can change is the way we react. How do we change the way we react when we are dealing with someone who, again, may understand where we're coming from, but has no intention of changing his or her action? So, uh, he, she, they, them, I, I don't know that the, the objective is to go and I never go into a conversation and believe I'm going to change somebody. Right. That's me personally. Okay. That's just not what I'm going into for. We, the conversation is for us to converse. See what's up, maybe learn some things about each other and have another level of understanding each other. And that may just be it. But what may happen is that now, the next time we see each other, they have more conversation and deeper conversation. And that may lead to some other moment 
of, of, of uh, I, I guess, of um, enlightenment on, on either side. Yeah. But I don't know if it's always about trying to change people, you know what I mean? Because folks, you know, oftentimes folks change for themselves, not for other people, you know what I mean? I, I grew so, up in a part of the country where the uh, people tend to think very differently from the way I thought. And uh, I was engaged in those kinds of things. And so many of my friends were people who I just thought were leading us down a terrible road. But they were still my friends. And you could still manage it. I, I miss that. I still don't want to be friends with neighbors who are flying um, the don't pray on me fly. I am. I am. Ooh, what? I'm sorry? What do they do? They're flying the don't tread on me fly. Okay. But I will, and I also think that, yes, we can't go into these conversations expecting change. And I think that if you really are achieving a level of understanding with someone, it's not going to be the same as it was before that. That's just because how human beings are with one another. You may not still agree, right? You may still hold diametrically different opinions. But how you interact with one another is if you, if sincerely you really do understand one another, it's transformed and it, it's, it lays the groundwork for possibilities of all kinds in the future. Um, but it's not about, go, it's, it's about going in there in the pursuit of that understanding and trying to find each other's humanity. And then you see where that, where that takes you. But I feel like, and maybe this is a terrible degree of optimism on my part, but I feel like if you're, if you're really able to engage with someone on that level, it can't stay the same. I just think it can't. Was there another hand? I see. One, two, one, two. Any others? One, two, and that's it. Three. One, two, three, and that's <laughs> it. Three, three, three hands, and we sing. Was that one? You yeah. are one. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say, <clears throat> my comment was similar to Rosemary's, where... You know, and I can speak, I think, at least for me and Amna, um, we run Medway Marches in Medway. So, what's it been, three years now? And I think the biggest thing no one tells you when you, like, become an activist is, like, the emotional toll you take oh my God, yes. on having those conversations, right? We've had a number of conversations with people who have pretty much shown they're not going to change their mind, at least any time soon that we can see. And we've been the target of, you know, several online attacks and, and personal <laughs> attacks as, yeah, as well. And so we have had to figure out, like, where do we draw that line? Who do we let go and don't engage with versus mm -hmm. who's kind of in that middle area that we might be able to, right. you know, find some common ground and at least plant a seed. So it, for me, it is tough because there are some people that, I have had to cut out and say, like, I don't want to be associated with you. You're clearly very on the opposite side of, of my beliefs and where I want to be associated with. I don't want other people to think that I'm believing certain things either. And so it, it has been tough to figure out, you know, where that line is and, and how much love and, and dialogue can change certain situations. Evan? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I was hoping to go back to, like, I wanted to go a little bit back into the cancel culture discussion, where, um, see, it, it terrifies me, cancel culture, is that um, I'm always afraid of, like, 
something that I say that's opinionated is um, going to get canceled, is going to cancel me. Mm -hmm. Basically, I, I, I don't want, it's not like I mean to say anything offensive, but it's, it doesn't matter to people who feel offended by it. Mm -hmm. So, like, if, so when people say they're canceled and they say they're wrong, they admit they're wrong and they apologize forward, like, they step up and apologize, how, how do we go to, like, forgive them with cancel culture in the mindset of, like, how do we trust that they're not going to say things like that again or how they're going to change or something? I'd like to know how to yeah. do it. Well, that's a good long conversation. <laughs> I'll go back to saying that um, <coughs> kind of leaping over it for a moment is the recognition that if we build relationships, then we can share differing opinions. That doesn't solve the first level that you're talking about, things that already are in place, right? But we, we have to be thinking about both, right? We have to be thinking about long-term and the, and the short-term and the immediate. Because long-term, if we can establish the kinds of relationships that um, are really sincere and honest and true with people, then it's someone, then already when they say they, they don't like your opinion, then their, their first um, moment is not to cancel, but to ask you more and to try to learn more. But that's a few steps ahead, right? In the immediate moment, um, I think that the, look, I, I, I agree with Tom, it's a, much, it's a much deeper conversation, and I think that there are times where um, people, people repent, um, and we don't know if we can trust that repentance, right? I think that that's, that's, a, real, that's a real thing. Yeah. Can I just real quick to kind of tag on to that, is there's a country artist that a couple of years ago there was a couple things that he said that were not exactly accepted by the current society and I'm starting to hear more from him again at this point where it sounds like he's done the work for himself to be a better person and present a better front and in fact one of the line one of his current songs out right now is talking about you know um, you know, Mama, don't, um, I forget the exact words, but something about, you know, don't give up on me. All that praying you did seems to have taken hold now. And it's one of those, maybe this is the way he's coming back into society and society can't accept him. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely Alan. a deep oh. conversation. Oh, yeah. 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 A very, very short point to some of the earlier comments. Use the word them as little as possible, and you'll be better off. Because mm -hmm. we're all Very individuals. Nice. We have to kind of group each other in some ways, but when we do that, that's a dangerous thing because we've stopped treating them as individuals. So easier said than done, but I think mm -hmm. if you remember that, it's helpful. Oh, and I think it's really, it, it's really critical. It's critical to this conversation, and, and we kind of started there by saying that, you know, you, you can't, you can't um, paint with a broad brush, that it's each individual has to be seen for who they are, sometimes because of something good and sometimes because of something bad, but you have to be able to see that person as themselves and not um, as representative of something, um, of something larger. Can I, can I, and I don't, I'm not, again, working with eighth graders, they see themselves as them. Mm. And so I, I don't disagree with your point, but, but 
But they, I, I don't okay. know how else to explain it. They, they see themselves as them. Are you, now are you they, referring? They, they, they see themselves as whether, regardless of, of their race, ethnicity, religion, they also see themselves as being marginalized. And, okay. And to then try to, to try to teach them just your point about, about using that word um, in the broad strokes, I, I hear it from them that, but I'm them. I hear that, and I think, but I think that's a really important distinction between the degree to which we other right. people and how you address that is different from right. how you address people feeling othered. I don't want to deny that somebody feels othered, right. but I want to make sure that I'm not doing anything Correct. that is othering them. Correct. Yeah. Now we sing. Now you sing. <laughs> the privilege of, of closing us out and, and seeing us off. I just want to thank everybody for myself for being here and being so open um, and so willing to share and willing to um, challenge and be challenged. Um, and I'll take a point of personal privilege and give the greatest thanks in all of this um, to my buddy Jamil, um, who has always been this kind of presence for me. Um, but I miss him because we don't work together anymore. <laughs> and it was incredibly special for me to be able to be um, back in conversation with you <coughs> about, uh, about this tonight. And I, I hope that we'll do it again Absolutely. Soon. It's you know, it's reciprocal, sis. You already know that. It's absolutely reciprocal. Um, folks, thanks for coming out. Thanks for being present. And, uh, and definitely some levels of vulnerability we're showing tonight. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, on a more technical level, I mean, it was streamed, but it's not going to be posted on YouTube and nothing like that, so I, I got to worry about that. <laughs> um, we do this one conversation at a time, and hopefully folks will continue to con connect with each other or something like that, you know? Thank, uh, I want to thank my, my, my partners here for saying, yes, we'll do it. We'll come together and rock with you, so, because that doesn't always happen with such ease, and they both say absolutely, without question. It wasn't a second thought, so thanks to you both. On a personal level, I am pleased to have, I mean, I've gotten to know Jamil some, but to have spent more time with him on this, to have gotten to have met Elise for the first time, and to have had a wonderful uh, set of conversations, and looking forward to this, and to meeting with all of you um, as we've started to talk about a variety of difficult topics um, that have extended well beyond, I think, the initial um, uh, sort of topic uh, sentence here, uh, but the move to, I think, really important places. And I look forward to continuing it, and I hope you do too. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you.
We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.